Hey guys, welcome back to the Trend Daddy podcast. I interview my friend Lydia today, and some of the topics we discuss are misogyny, social justice, and what it's like working with people who are former sex workers or women who are trying to leave the lifestyle. We also discuss human sex trafficking and what finding freedom looks like for these women. Stay tuned. today on my podcast joining me um to talk about a variety of issues um that are very important and i'll let her divulge what she does um for her ministry it's a ministry right you would call it that it's not yes yeah no we we call ourselves an outreach ministry um it's actually called as you are outreach and i'll just jump right in um it's a outreach ministry to women that are working in the sex industry, specifically in Sacramento. So um, specific, specifically, that's the strip clubs in Sacramento. Yeah. There's currently four in operation um, and three of which are located in like the Rancho Cordova area. And then one's in like actual downtown Sacramento. Yes. I'm sure you're all familiar. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not hard to miss. Drives around <laughs> has probably seen it. Um, yes. Or if you have friends that, you know, do that stuff that partake in that kind of thing, maybe you have even been invited. Uh, right. But, yeah. So tell me um, what you guys do. I mean, it sounds like such a pretty heavy ministry. So we are, it's very basic. And I think some of the best things always are, right. but with, um, as you are, we basically just go into the clubs every couple of months and we take gifts to the women. So that can, a gift can look like a small cosmetic earrings, um, coffee mugs, gift cards. scarves, scarves. Um, we don't do gift cards, but we'll do like, um, just nice things yeah. that women would want to receive, yeah. you know, like who doesn't need another chapstick <laughs> or nail polish yeah. or like another cute pair of earrings, you know, all stuff that they could use while working or just in their everyday life. And we take them their gifts. We always stick a business card in with it. And we just say, hey, we're a group of local women that care about you. We want you to know that you're loved, valued, and cherished as you are where you are. And if you ever need support or encouragement or you would like prayer or you need help in any kind of capacity, if that's like providing diapers for you and your baby while you're out on maternity leave, or if that's like helping you pay an electric bill or just offering support or counseling or um, you know, any type of 
thing that you could need, um, we're here for that. You know, we're not here to judge or shame. Some of the women on our team have been um, ex-industry girls, so they know what it's like to be in their shoes and come out of it. And then some of us on the team are church ladies. And so it's this really beautiful blend of women caring about women. Yeah. So um, how did it start? Tell me about the, the grassroots part of it. Sure. So it started in 2010 and by my coworker, she's actually the founder of it, or she was my coworker. Um, but she lived in Rancho and would drive past all three clubs in Rancho on her way to work. And um, her and I actually worked at a church in Rancho. That's how we knew each other. And we had been on a mission trip to Thailand and God had really um, touched both of our hearts and like kind of broke them for that demographic of women that are in darkness, working in the sex industry, because it just like is a whole other level of um, bondage, even though it appears that they are like choosing that or that they've, you know, walked into that with their eyes wide open. Like there's just something that it makes when people are being used as a commodity in whatever form that takes on, it is just heartbreaking. I feel like that's not what was intended for anybody. And so that broke both of our hearts. And so she came back and she just felt like, man, somebody should be doing something like that here in Sacramento. We have clubs here. We could totally do that. And um, just felt constantly like, you know, someone should do something. Right. And we all say that like somebody yeah, should exactly. do something. And she just very clearly was like convicted, like, oh, I am somebody and I can do something. And so she walked into my cubicle one day and she's like sitting on my desk. She's like, I think I'm going to start this. Will you partner with me in it. And I was like, absolutely. Like, let's go walk into the clubs and love on some women, you know, like it's very simple. Um, and you don't have to be a Christian. Most of us on the team are, and I'm, I am myself. So I'm going to talk about this from a very, um, like Christian mindset. Yeah. Or like, but in no way, shape or form, do we judge anybody like for where they're at in that. Um, I want to raise something to you because, you know, there's actually a lot of talk about it on the internet, social media um, that I see about, Mm -hmm. you know, um, sex workers wanting rights and and wanting uh, healthcare and just things like that, that they're kind of like petitioning and asking. And one of the things is, you know, they're willingly, like you said, you know, they're willingly walking into this industry. And for those that feel like instead of like, instead of being sold or used as a commodity, they're being like smart business women. It's almost like this like idea of uh, empowerment and feminism. What would you say to people uh, who are, you know, talking when it comes to sex workers specifically, you know, about that, how does, how does that make you feel with, with your views and your ministry? I think I hear where they're coming from with that, but I understand like the root of what drives somebody into choosing that as a business and as a lifestyle. I don't think little girls wake up at um, like two, three, five, ten 10 years old and are like, you know what I want to do? Take my clothes off in front of a bunch of strangers and be objectified and treated as a commodity. I think along yeah. the way, there are other choices that are made sometimes by themselves or by people in their lives, maybe people that were supposed to protect yeah. or, you know, support them that have kind of like 
shifted or skewed that mindset so that then choosing to work in the sex industry very much um, is a choice that you feel like you can make, even though that may not have been a choice that you woke up like when you were a little girl dreaming about your life Yeah, um, that you would have wanted to make. And I think it's a very skewed idea of empowerment. I have met very few women that have come out of the industry. And I mean, there are some, so I'm not saying this is everybody, but those that I have encountered um, that have come out of the industry and been like, man, those were the best years of my life. Oh man, I love that. Like, usually you find a lot of the women that are working or medicating um, with drugs or alcohol or other types of substances to um, separate and suppress like that um, feeling of hopelessness, depression, those things. And so I feel like those that say this is very empowering are missing the bigger picture there. And that's a very glorified image that I think we see a lot in our Uh, media and music videos and on like Instagram and it's just not the reality I think that is a very glorified idea but it's not the reality right and I and I don't feel like it is empowering I don't think most women walk into a place and are like cool I'm gonna strip down to nothing and take my clothes off in front of strangers and be used in that way you know even if they're not being um touched or there's not an exchange of sex or sexual favors it still is dehumanizing um and there's like all kinds of science and things that can go into like what happens to a man's brain when he's viewing a woman's body that way what happens to a person as they're experiencing that over and over again but the reality is like I think deep down in our souls, we would know we were created for something more. And that was not the intention for anybody, you know, to use another human being in that way or to be used in that way. Yeah. Tell me any stories of um, women. You said, you know, there are some uh, former sex workers, even in the X industry, you know, tell me some testimonies or or people who um, you've seen come out of, this uh lifestyle and what their lives look like after the fact are they able to have healthy relationships and you know get married and have children and stuff like that or for sure honestly they look just like you and me you know or your wife or the people that you're in church with because um they are you know people that you know and so i do know um quite a few women that are married they have children they are working in um quote normal jobs and um they have worked really hard to move beyond their past and that has looked like going to recovery groups for the substances that they used and abused for years Uh that looks like going to therapy and counseling and really working to like fix their mindset about how they even view themselves and how they relate to people um And they've put in the work, you know, those that have really successfully transitioned from that have really put in the work. And it's been something where I feel like in the stories that I've heard from my fellow teammates and other women that we've encountered, like there was a breaking moment where they were like, I can't live like this anymore. I choose like, this is the rock bottom for me, or I am choosing differently because I have a child now. And they've worked really hard to 
move from that. And there's come, whether it was because they started to get too old, so they weren't making the tips anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. or um, because it is a very image-based industry, but they're, they're beautiful um, people that have been able to choose a different lifestyle. And most of the girls that have joined our team actually found us years after they were in the club, like they had left the clubs. And one of the positive comments they always make is like, man, I wish you guys had been around when I was still working. Like, I would have loved to have received these gifts when I was on the floor or on the stage. Yeah. And so that's always an encouragement to me. Like it does matter that we're bringing in these gifts and that even for just a few minutes that we're talking to them, you know, we're not using them. We're not objectifying them. We don't want anything from them. Like it seems so foreign to walk in and hand a gift to somebody and be like, Hey, it's just for you. I don't need you to say the salvation prayer with me. I'm not even trying to get you to leave right now. I'm not Liam Neeson, you know, but Uh, um, they, you know, it's like here, no strings attached. Like, seriously, if you never call us or message us on Facebook, that's okay. I'm going to be here in a couple months with another gift, you know, like, cause that's, that's what we're called to. And so I think some of the back to your question, which was like, what, um, what are some testimonies? Um, we've had members of our team, like they're pastors. Now they have like, um, created a totally healthy, loving home for their children. They don't struggle with addiction anymore. They are mentoring and counseling others. They're going to Bible college. There's all these like, just, you know, again, like I hate using the word normal, but like, it's how we as a society view yeah. things like, you know, like they're just, they're regular people too. And that's uh, just a reminder, like your past does not define you. Yeah, exactly. And I think we can all relate to that no matter what background we have. Um, For sure. Some of us, you know, a little bit uh, wilder or strange than others, but we all, you know, it's the human condition. We all come from something. We're all trying to reconcile something from our childhood or, or our past or decisions that we've made or um, that other people have made for us. Um, for sure. I had one thing that I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just slipped my mind. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. You know, um, it'll come, it'll come to me. I can't. Okay. Um, so I'll tell a story from oh, last night. Yeah. Cause last night okay. we actually We're went, um, we went out last night. This is our Christmas outreach and that's where it all began is we went out on a Christmas in 2010 or December, you know, we call it Christmas um, and took gifts into the clubs. And it was super like foreign at first. Like we were all like, Oh my gosh, like what do we even say when we walk in there, you know, like, and you're kind of like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, we're doing this. And like, I remember the first night that we ever did it, which was December of 2010. And we walked in and we're carrying these little baggies that have like earrings or something in them. And, and we just walked up and we're like, hi, we're a group of local women. And we want to give gifts to the women that are working tonight. You know, we're really strategic with what we say to like, I try not to ever um, call them strippers because that's not who they are. You know, that's yeah. what they do. So we just say women or we say dancers or the ladies um, to try to restore some dignity and some humanity as well. And, yeah. And I feel like we got like the strangest looks, but it was so great because the managers and the bouncers were like, uh, yeah, I guess. And like, let us in. And it was so awesome. 
So fast forward now, eight years later, this is actually like our ninth Christmas outreach. We'll be, you know, going into our ninth year. Mm-hmm. And we walked up to a club last night and the manager was like, actually, you know, like you guys are the church group, right? And I was like, well, you know, we're, yes, but we're not from a specific church. We're from all church, you know, a bunch of us go to different churches in Sacramento. And he's like, okay, well, you know, we're not open tonight, but you're welcome to come back tomorrow. And just like that familiarity and like knowing already who we were and what we were there to do. And we were like, okay, good. Cause we'd really love to give the women their gifts this year. And he's like, yeah, no, they'll totally love it. Just come back, like come back yeah. tomorrow. And it was like, so, oh yeah. Like we've just created, so, created the relationship. Yeah. We've never tried to offend. We've never been like pushy with our agenda, which has just allowed like doors to be opened. And this reminds um, me of what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, because no, seriously. Um, I'm sure your approach is so much greater and it's kind of like reparative and restorative for some of these women, because I mean, I can only imagine um, if they were to tell a Christian that what their job was you know the looks or the type of treatment that they would have gotten or if their family members um or people that they know who were christian um were to find out what they did you know how they would respond just you know and it's it's kind of sad that that's the case you know what i mean so i think it's really great the way that you guys are going in there and you're not pushing you're not protesting to shut the place down you're you know like just your your approach yeah really good the approach is like i feel how jesus would have approached and how he did approach most situations and it's actually a great model that has been like created and started from a group down in la that's been doing this for over 15 years called treasures and they are like basically the og of this type of ministry yeah we are modeled very similarly to them and go down there for training with them because they reach over 200 clubs and are just like in it and have been doing it for a long time and so we were like hey like their approach works that's the way we want to be too like we don't need to be reinventing the wheel and Mm -hmm. honestly it's just a reminder we always say like two things like if the gifts get in it's a win it doesn't always have to be that we're in there handing the gifts out but if the gifts get in that's a win for us because it's a seed planting ministry and so that leads to the second thing that we're constantly reminding ourselves and reminding others of is like this is seed planting. Yeah. You're not always going to get to reap the harvest of what, of the work that you're doing, but you are called to plant seeds and you are called to be faithful. And I feel like we have really seen the fruit of that in just showing up to the clubs now and being recognized. And even if they don't recognize our faces, our gifts always look the same. So they recognize the gifts and they're like, Oh, the church ladies are, Oh, we love you guys. Like I love my gift from last year. Like I still wear it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's encouraging just to know, like there's a, like a camaraderie and a community built in that, you know, and having done this now for so long, they trust us. Like they know we can be trusted inside the club. So they invite us in, you know, they're like, Oh, they're not a problem. Let them in. My favorite little, like, these are like tiny little personal victories, but I feel like anytime we walk into a club and there's a line and the host or hostess will like wave us forward and wave us in past all the gentlemen that are waiting. I'm like, excuse me, I'm a VIP here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really, but like, yeah, but... there's like that, like <laughs> tiny satisfaction of like, 
excuse me, sir, step aside. I have some gifts to give to my friends, you know? (laughs) I mean, I think it's beautiful because, I mean, I think it's great to see a different side of what, you know, I'll just, I'll just be honest to you, with you. Of course. I have a lot of uh, non-Christian listeners too. Um, And so this might be the first time of them hearing about, you know, this type of ministry or even what the term ministry even is and going out and trying to, I mean, I think everyone in America is used to the idea of Christians trying to go and win or convert other people or quote unquote souls, you know? Right. Right. And and I think a lot of it, especially in the last few years, um, as like the political climate has kind of amped up and made everyone a little bit more on edge and more aware of these different hate groups that are popping up. Um, I think it's kind of shown people that, you know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, from those hate groups, but it's great to show a positive side of Christians who, who aren't pushing. They're not um, trying to force anything, any conversion. I, I think, you know, um, like you said, planting a seed is really important. And however, you know, the harvest is reaped later on, like we just have to believe as Christians that, you know, we did make an impact, however small it is, even if it's in a gift or in a loving relationship with someone, what that can do, you know, and the beauty that that holds, even if like there was no other, like you said, kind of, there's no, no holds barred. It's not like not, no strings attached to it. It's just like, I want to give you this gift. I love you. If you want to talk to me, I'm here for you, period. You know. For sure. Well, and I feel like it just comes down to like, we're we're not here to control. And real love, true love is not controlling. You know, it's Same. very much like an action and it's a doing and it's like a giving of yourself. And so when we like, not everyone's called to this because it's really hard. And uh. you do have to be very aware of your own issues and struggles and value and, you know, things when you're walking into something like that, because it can be triggering Mm -hmm. even for our ex girls or former dancers. Like some of them are on the team, but they're like, I don't want to walk back into the club. Like that's not for me, but I'll, I'll come help stuff the gift bags. I'll be a part of the team. I'll pray, but I don't want to walk back in, you know? And then there's other people that, maybe they have had a spouse that struggled with pornography. And so they're like, Hey, in this season, I cannot go into the club right now. Like it's just too hard. And so it's, you have to be very aware. It's not for everybody because the end of the day, it's like, are you called to this? And that calling is like, well, I've been called to love, you know? And so that's all I'm here to do. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with the second half of my conversation with Lydia.
that was the acoustic version of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, one of the greatest Christmas songs ever written. I dedicate this to you guys out there who are missing a loved one this Christmas season. You are with us in our thoughts and prayers. Here is the rest of the conversation with Lydia. All right, we are back with Lydia. <laughs> um, okay, so one thing that I wanted to discuss with you mm-hmm. um, was misogyny and how we view women um, society as a whole. Um, so talk to me about misogyny and if you see that, you know, within obviously within the strip clubs, you know, men are going there and they're using women for, you know, their for their pleasure. Um Tell me how it plays into, you know, other things. Um, just church culture, have you faced misogyny um, as being a woman in leadership? <laughs> it's such an easy topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? Right? So, so mm-hmm. light. Um, well, for sure, we see it um, blatantly in the strip clubs and um, many forms of the sex industry. It's um, you know, men seeking to meet a need and using women uh, to fill that need. And I think we see that a lot in the men that are patrons of the clubs. You know, they're people's husbands, brothers, fathers, grandfathers, and they're there to meet a need or to fill a void that they aren't even aware that that's what they're doing. You know, they're trying to escape. And I think our culture has this, like, it's okay. You can do this, like go here, you know, everybody's trying to like, it's very selfish and self-focused, you know, there's no thought to like, Oh, that's somebody else's wife up there. That's somebody else's sister or mother or um, another, just not even that, like another human being that has a soul that has, you know, worth and value. And I'm taking advantage of that. Um, I have experienced, I mean, you can't really live on this planet without experiencing some form of misogyny, um, racism, any kind of like any of the isms. Adversity. Um, Yeah. Any adversity. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, just by existing. So, Mm -hmm. um, how I have always like challenged that or countered that has really come from a place of like knowing who I am and whose I am and where my worth and value actually comes from Mm -hmm. for me personally. And that has allowed me to kind of stand up sometimes in um, moments of like oppression or um, people telling me I can or can't do things, or this is how I should do things because I'm a woman or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the goal is, is to be married and have two kids, you know, before Mm -hmm. you're 30 or whatever that weird ideal is. And I the American dream. Right? Two kids, a dog, a car, the garage, everything. Exactly. Um, But not where I currently attend church, but um, at previous churches or places that I have been, there has been a little bit of that. And I think that just came back down to like, they didn't quite understand um, how how to view equality and worth and maybe even struggled with that themselves. And so they have to make others feel less than in order to feel greater. And I just... Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's ever a place of leadership or strength and whatever gender you are. 
whatever gender you are. Right. Yeah. As because a leader. honestly, I feel like sometimes it's, you'll even experience it as a woman from other women. Oh, and wow. it's just mm-hmm. some straight up girl on girl crime, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. you know, we also sometimes believe the lies and spit them out about like how we should behave or who we should be. Or like, we're like, we're making the same excuses that culture or men are making for why for we you. do or don't mm-hmm. things, you know, like I've been in a room and I've been advocating for something, but I'm so passionate about it that I'm getting heated and emotional and like when I'm so mad that I'm crying you know I'm pissed you know and yeah so, and, so, and for those of you who don't know Lydia personally she <laughs> is she is vivacious she's full of passion and vigor and she is you know someone who knows like what she wants I feel like as a person you know you're someone who is you know you stand up for yourself and some people might call that you know a strong personality or somebody you know who can be difficult oh. like Right. As a woman, everybody calls it a strong personality. I've never not had that used to describe me. And (sighs) it took a long time to like reconcile that and to actually like rest in that. And own it. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly who I am. Not making apologies for that. You know, and there's been times where people are like, oh, you're being so dramatic or they'll be talking to a man about me or something that I've said or stood up and they're like, well, yeah, I know she's dramatic, but, and I'm like, no, like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't take away from what I've said. Like I was still speaking the truth and you tell, and this was a woman that told him that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you completely just undermined both of us by telling him that it doesn't matter what I had to say because I was being dramatic. And so I think reinforcing that. Yeah. Right. Like women will do that to each other. And I'm like, no sister, like we have got to have each other's backs. Like I believe in the lies that we grew up hearing as well. And like, speak that you're supposed to be demure and prim and yeah. Or just like that. Yeah. That your voice doesn't matter. And I think that is Mm. one of those things where I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of um, parts I have or what I, who I claim to be as far as my orientation or whatever, like my voice is still a voice and valid. it's valid. And you're like, I guess like, I would just want everyone to know, like inside the clubs, outside of the clubs, like you matter, your voice matters. And I think the thing that I'm learning a lot and being, you know, being a strong personality, I think we have to remind ourselves of this, like, it's not what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. And so Amen. there is a moment, <laughs> there is a moment where I have to like taper it back and be like, no one can hear me anymore. Cause now I'm just screaming, Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't take away from what I'm saying. Yeah. I relate and, to that because I am a strong personality. Also, I'm yeah. someone who, you know, gets passionate or gets, you know, this righteous indignation and righteous anger, you know, about certain things. Um, and yes, I've learned as well. I can relate to that. I'm just like, Okay, realizing that, you know, when I raise my voice, sometimes it does get across. Sometimes that it takes, you know, that to communicate that specific emotion or scenario or, Mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes it's just like, okay, you're coming off a little strong. Like, let's, you know, you want what you say to be productive and beneficial. So let's, you know, pull back. But yes, I relate to that. And it has taken me a while to to own it. What do you think? um, I mean, this is totally just off topic. Now I'm just interviewing you, Lydia. (laughs) Um, where do you think that started? Cause for me, it was definitely because I was made fun of and pushed around a lot. And so the older I got, the more assertive I became in like, you know, kind of asserting my worth and speaking up for myself. 
I think for me, I was born that way. Um, to be honest, there's like a huge justice gene in me that has always been there, even as a little kid. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a firstborn. I'm the oldest. And so like, <laughs> there's just so much there. If you're into birth order, any of that, like that you could pinpoint it to, but reality. And as a like, Latina. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so much of it, I think just comes down to like from the beginning, like when I was on this earth, like I have been about justice. If things are wrong, like it irks something deep within me, even, <laughs> even like simple things like, yeah, you know, like getting cut off or like people like having too many items in the grocery store line. Like those are really like silly, but <laughs> yeah. also I'm like, there's law and order for a reason. And this is the express justice. lane. You have 16 yeah. items. <laughs> <laughs> but also like it came yeah. down to like, if kids weren't telling the truth in class, you know, like I was like a tattletale, which is so annoying, <laughs> except that I was like, this is wrong, you know, yeah. or they you need know, to like, learn. <laughs> that is so Mexican. Like they need to learn a lesson. <laughs> We're going to teach them this lesson. <laughs> We're going to teach them a lesson right now. Um, I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, I would hear about things, you know, going on and it would like bug me. Like, and I just couldn't yeah. figure out why that enraged me so much, you know, and it's why I'm very passionate about social justice issues. And it's why I was first drawn to being passionate about, anti-human trafficking and getting involved in that world because strip clubs fall under that. And if you don't think so, come find me somewhere. I'll explain it to you. But like, it was like, there's, this is injustice going on Mm -hmm. and I have to say something or I have to stand up. And so like, that looks like every area of my life, whenever there's injustice, I can't not be quiet, you know, like I have to say something and it drives, it drives people crazy. But at the same time, you're welcome. You yes, know, I love that about you. If it wasn't for us justice-minded seekers with those exactly. with the justice gene, like nothing would ever get done on this earth because I know. It's, it's us being annoying and being passionate and being loud and like fighters that I think is what creates movements and momentum towards things that then allows other people that maybe aren't as vocal to like come alongside and partner with, you know? Totally. So um, you touched on a great point that I want to get into. And this, mm-hmm. is, this is the platform, if any, to get into it. We have sure. the time. Yeah. Um, tell me how um, stripping uh, would fall under sex trafficking. So the definition of human trafficking is um, any type of force, fraud, or excuse me, mm-hmm. or coercion, um, where, uh, sex is like the means of exchange. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all are familiar with like the really dramatic, like someone's kidnapped, they're chained to a brothel or they're like sold on the black market. Then there's like a more finesse style where it's like, Hey, I'll be your boyfriend. Come like, hang out with me. You know, like people are, you know, survival sex becomes, a a means of trafficking because you're exchanging a certain, you know, like your survival of sleeping on someone's couch for, or even like sugar daddies and stuff like that. It's all under that. And stripping is a part of the sex industry. And there are girls that um, are in there. They also have pimps outside of the club, not all of them, but Mm -hmm. that is something that we see from time to time where they're meeting clients in the club and then outside of the club, um, it's prostitution and pimps mm. will place girls in clubs to meet clients and get clientele or 
you know, that she makes her money at night, but she immediately goes home and hands it to the boyfriend or hands it to um, the sugar daddy or the pimp or somebody that's actually controlling that and controlling her through that. And it gets a little like dicey when you're like really peeling back the layers, but you're selling yeah. yourself and you're selling sex in one form or another. And yeah. I'm sure you'll okay. probably get lots of like comments and people will be really bothered by that. So, oh, I would know, love like... to. Yes, please. We'll have a part two. <laughs> we'll have a follow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there, um, is there any part of you, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's a heavy thing that you're doing. Does it ever become too much? You know, is it ever overwhelming for you emotionally or when you're doing the outreach or thinking about it? I'm, I feel like for you, that would kind of add fuel to your fire of why you're doing it. I think I have come, I'm in a place now where I recognize like, this is the long game, right? Like you're playing the long game here when you're investing Mm -hmm. in people's lives like this and you're doing a ministry like this. If I was focused on like how many girls we've gotten to leave the clubs and how many girls we're mentoring and how many girls we've gotten to say the salvation prayer, I would get so discouraged. And if it was about looking at the numbers, yeah, that would be like disheartening. But Mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, that's not my, that's not my responsibility one. And two, that's like, not why we're doing this. You know, again, like we're planting seeds and I've been called and I think I'm very intentional and our team is very intentional about trying to make sure we're always connected to one another and everybody knows exactly where we're at when we're walking into a club prior to going in that night. You know, we bathe this entire ministry and our clubs and our city in prayer And we don't go into the clubs if we're not prayed up because there is a spiritual element going on there as well. You know, like we're very honest and upfront about where we're at in our own like personal lives and relationships and holding one another accountable so that if anybody starts to struggle or there becomes this becomes like a heavier issue, we are checking in on one another and we know and then I always pray like a very simple prayer like before I walk in and it's just like God protect my eyes and protect my heart like that I would not see anything that I'm not supposed to see that I Mm -hmm. would be able to just like see these women and even the men in the clubs like even the customers like how you see them you know because our heart and our target is to the women but I understand like Jesus died for those men too and in order for there not to be a supply, there has to be no demand. And so if we want to see this industry change and we want to see, you know, women set free from this and not have to choose this as a job, we need to see men stop saying, Hey, this is a commodity that I want to buy. And I want to go to the club to be entertained by this. And so there are people that are called to minister to the men in that realm. Yeah, I am not. But I'm also not sitting there hating on them and judging them. And that actually took a long time. It really took, it was so hard, you know, and every so often we have to interact with a gentleman and um, it's always like this, you know, again, that justice gene comes out where I'm like, you are a, a user and an abuser, you know, like by being in here and taking advantage of this person. So it, it can get very disheartening, but I just try to always like, you know, pray, be prayed up, have people around me that love and support me and know where I'm at at all times to like, check on, check on me, you know, and check on my heart. And we do that as a team too. 
That's great. Another angle or um, way of uh, healing that you talked about for your women was um, just focusing on their mental health issues. So Mm -hmm. if they've had abuse or if they've had, you know, other life occurrences that have happened to them in childhood or somewhere along the line um, that they seek out therapy. Um, Talk to me about the mental health aspect of it, because even still to this day within the church, um, I feel like therapy and mental health is kind of taken, it's taken a while for the church to progress the way that we have progressed as a society, because outside of the church, you know, the conversations of, you know, depression and anxiety are happening, you know, we're losing some people and it's causing us to kind of be more aware about, you know, like, you know, these famous artists who are killing themselves or who are overdosing, um, right. you know, struggling with addiction and substance abuse. It's kind of opened our eyes and it's gotten the conversation going outside of the church, but inside the church, there's still this bit of like, okay, well, if you are struggling, that's the devil. You, you know, you need to seek salvation and prayer and you need to do X, Y, and Z, which I don't, obviously, as someone who believes in God, I, I do advocate for prayer and, and to seek wise counsel and to go to church. Um, mm-hmm. But the mental health aspect of it, let's talk about that. Sure. Well, like I've alluded to, there's definitely a history of trauma that I think a lot of the women um, in the clubs share. And that can start from early childhood, coming from an abusive home, um, And, you know, then they find themselves in abusive relationships and starting to substance abuse. And so the mental health piece, and you can read books on this, you can read people's testimonies. Um, It's about like going back to like building up that person and that self-esteem and healing from the addiction. So then you can work on like, what are the issues or the reasons that drove you into this industry you know, based on what lies you were believing about yourself, what self-esteem issues you might've had that for like, that caused you to, um, to choose this. And I think like everybody needs mental health in their life. Like you need a healthy mind just as much as you need a healthy body and a healthy soul. And sometimes we, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. like we separate those things and we'll focus really on a healthy body and healthy soul. But then we forget like, no, your mind needs to be just as healthy. Like we cannot compartmentalize those things. And I think when we do compartmentalize those things, that's when we see really severe mental health disorders begin to come to the surface because you're not addressing your whole self. Um, And I think often what it comes down to is like what we think affects how we feel and how we feel affects how we act. And so in order to truly start living a different lifestyle, you have to start thinking differently about yourself and you have to start thinking you know, positively, and you have to get a lock on maybe some actual mental health disorders that you might have because of family history or because of the life experience you've been through. And there's no shame in that. Like if somebody gave you a map to be the best version of yourself, like why wouldn't you take that? And that also includes going to counseling, knowing what kinds of things trigger you, knowing you know, how to have boundaries. Maybe no one has ever modeled that for you. So you need to learn how to do that. Genetically or hereditarily, uh, oh, for sure. a chemical imbalance. Yeah, yeah. And, and then get it on takes some medication. Science. Yeah. yeah, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like we take medicine for other ailments. Why not take medicine for a chemical imbalance or mental health? And yeah. I, I feel like 
as people begin their healing journey and as they come out, like, I guess, like Maslow's higher, you meet the basic needs first, like shelter, um, safety, and then you can begin to be like, okay, now that those needs are met, let's move on to like some emotional needs, like helping you learn how to have healthy relationships that aren't based on sex all the time. Um, Mm. and how to have healthy relationships with women, because in the club, there's often a lot of competition, you know, like those are the people (laughs) that you're competing against for tips and dances and customers. Like, but now you're encountering women in other, um, avenues of life that are like, or should at least be for you. Mm -hmm. And therefore like, how do you have wanting to befriend you? Yeah. Yeah. Healthy relationships where you're not in competition with them and they're not after you. And so there's all kinds of ways that like you begin to see those wounds and those things like healed, you know, like believing, like, you know, you don't have to do it on your own anymore. Like there are people around you that want to support you and encourage you. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Is there anything else that you might want to share or anything else that you feel like, um, through this podcast you've been wanting to discuss even Hmm. well I mean this is totally a shameless plug but I would love if you're listening and this is at all like been something that's piqued your interest like please follow us on social media and definitely support us in that way and again like it's just like knowing that there are people out there that genuinely love the people in their world, you know, and like around them. And I think like, we do believe like we love you as you are. You don't have to change. You don't ever have to leave the club, but if you do want to, like, we're here for you. And we like are believing like mankind is often going to judge on the outward appearance, but we believe like God looks at the heart and he, he cares about you. And there's so much more for you than this. Um, but we'll be there every couple of months. So, um, and then if people are interested in like wanting to be more involved, like, especially if you're local to the Sacramento area, you can, um, you know, email me or go on our website and seek more information there. Um, but yeah, and I, I just... will put the, I will put the website in the description of the show Perfect. as well as the Instagram handle. That way they can get connected to you really easily. Yeah. And I mean, just thanks again for wanting to hear the story, Josh, because of I think course. like that's the big thing is like here we're here and we've been doing this and we're going to keep doing this, but I love telling the story about how we got started, who we are and why we do what we do. And, um, so it's just an honor that you asked me to come on here and um, of course are supportive in that way. And again, like this isn't like a women's issue. This is like a human being issue. So we're going to need men and women to help see an end to the sex industry in general. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <coughs> yeah. But yeah, it's going to um, continue with what you're saying. It's going to take men and women for sure. And it's going to take the church like, um, you know, like these women already go to your churches and they're already in your kids' schools and um, they're, you know, next to you at the grocery store, like these are human beings. And so um, I think like removing that judgment and even that like, oh, why do I respond this way when I think about that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, 
and how we can better support people, you know, of all walks of life as they're coming into the church. Yeah. And yeah, they're not always um, promiscuously dressed. They're not always, you know. No, they're um, normal people. They don't look like the stereotypical prostitute (laughs) walking down the street. Like you said, they're their children go to your schools. They're, you know, they're in the pickup line. They're in, they're in the grocery store with you. Sometimes my favorite comment that I get from girls when we meet them at the club is they'll ask us like, Oh, what church do you go to? And I'll be like, Oh, well me personally, this is where I attend, but we're from a bunch of different churches. And they'll be like, Oh, this is the church I go to. And I'm like, I know the very church. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's just, I think at the end of the day, I'm like, it's just regular. Like the, I've twice in my life, I have had this experience of like, this is what I was made for. Mm. And when I was in Thailand, when I first got to see this type of industry up close and walked into a brothel, I just had this overwhelming sense of like, this is what I was made to do. And then our very first night that we ever walked into a club in Sacramento, again, I was like, little apprehensive I don't know how they're gonna receive us but like the moment we cross into that threshold it was like yes like this is what I was made to do and it is to love people where they're at and to bring light into the darkness and so that is that's what we're here to do that's what we're about well great I'm so glad that you were able to come onto the show and tell us about what you're doing and like you said just get the conversation going getting the word out there that you guys are here you guys have been doing this and so i commend you um and applaud you for that all right lydia well i will see you this weekend at church yes i hear you're singing this sunday which you're one of my my favorite vocalists so i cannot (laughs) wait oh my god (laughs) really yes Wow. I love that. I appreciate that. It's nice to hear. (laughs) Um, You just made my day. Well, thank you. And uh, I will see you this weekend. All right, you guys, that's it for today's episode. If you would like to know more about Lydia's ministry and how to get in contact with her, her information will be in the description of this episode. And as always, if you haven't, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. I would love to know how you guys feel about our podcast and would love to know more about my listeners. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for another exciting episode of the Trend Daddy Podcast. Bye-bye.